are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is Michelle Jewell Shaw, chairperson of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Jeremy, and hello to all of our listeners out there. Today is April 23rd, 2023, and this is episode 222, 222, there's a lot of twos in there, uh, of Lighthearted. In a few minutes, we'll hear two interviews. Mm. Two seems to be the theme today. We'll hear two interviews about Point No Point Light Station in Washington State, which happens to also be the headquarters of the U.S. Lighthouse Society. Before we get to that, is there anything special about today's date, Michelle? Well, April 23rd happens to be the birthday of William Shakespeare. He was born on this date in 1564 in Stratford-upon-Avon in England. In his play, Twelfth Night, he wrote, and I quote, I say, there is no darkness but ignorance, end quote. You know, it's kind of um, funny. So the eighth grade English class that I work with we yeah. do, we read the play Twelfth Night with our students, and ah. they absolutely love doing the play. And then we usually show the movie He's the Man, or She's the Man, um, <laughs> okay. with Amanda Bynes. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's a g- really great unit when we do. I always love when we do Shakespeare. So, cool, cool. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I visited uh, England in 2017 with uh, the U.S. Lighthouse Society, the tour uh, that went to the east coast of England and Scotland, a little bit of Scotland. We went to Stratford-upon-Avon. We visited Shakespeare's birthplace. Mm-hmm. I attended a play at the Shakespeare Theater in Stratford-upon-Avon with my friend Eleanor DeWire, board member of the USLHS. Yep. I even have a Shakespeare baseball cap to prove I was there from the gift shop. Uh, so uh, it was a, it was a lot of fun. It was really kind of a thrill to uh, see Shakespeare's birthplace and all nice. that. Nice. So to change the subject a little bit, Michelle, let's tell everybody about Point No Point Light Station and today's guests. Sure, Jeremy. Point No Point is at the north end of Washington's Kitsap Peninsula in the small town of Hansville. It was named by the naval officer Charles Wilkes when he was exploring Puget Sound in 1841. He gave the point its name because it looked like a substantial promontory from a distance, but less of one as he got closer. Construction of a lighthouse at Point No Point began in April 1879. As that year drew to a close, the Fresnel lens and lantern glass for the lighthouse had not arrived, so the first keeper, John Maggs, displayed a light from a kerosene lamp shielded from the wind by a piece of canvas. Point No Point is the oldest lighthouse on Puget Sound, and it consists of a square 30-foot tall brick and stucco tower between an attached office and a fog signal building. In 1900, the station's fog bell was replaced by a powerful fog trumpet. There were no roads to the station for its first 40 years, so supplies had to be brought in by boat. The lighthouse was automated in 1977, and in 2006, the Coast Guard moved the navigational light from the Fresnel lens to a low-maintenance rotating beacon. In the late 1990s, the last Coast Guard personnel left Point No Point, and the property was leased to Kitsap County Parks and Recreation. The county created the 60-acre Point No Point Park. The U.S. Lighthouse Society, which was founded in 1984 and had its headquarters in San Francisco for many years, relocated to the Keeper's House at Point No Point in 2008. One side of the duplex house is the Society's offices, and the other side is overnight accommodations open to the public. There's also a small cottage on the property known as the Keeper John Mags House, available for overnight stays. Yeah, I stayed at the Mags House during my recent visit. I loved it. Uh, To facilitate public access to the lighthouse itself, a volunteer docent group was created. Friends of Point No Point Lighthouse is now a chapter of the U.S. Lighthouse Society, and the group continues to work for the preservation and interpretation of the lighthouse. We have two interviews today, and three people took part in the first interview. Dave Anderson is the president of the Friends of Point No Point Lighthouse. Lori Raymaker is the docent coordinator for the organization, and Shelley Douglas is a past president. I spoke with Shelley, Laurie, and Dave at the Keeper's House at Point No Point while I was visiting there a couple of weeks ago. Also joining us was Jeff Gales, Executive Director of the U.S. Lighthouse Society. After we hear this conversation, we're going to listen to another one I had 
with Al Bryant, a preservation architect and board member of Friends of Point No Point Lighthouse. Let's listen to our first conversation about Point No Point Light Station now. I'm here in the Keeper's House at Point No Point Lighthouse in Hansville, Washington, and it's a treat to be here for the first time in four years at the headquarters of the U.S. Lighthouse Society. This duplex house uh, has obviously two sides, duplex house. Half of it is the U.S. Lighthouse Society headquarters offices. The other side is uh, available for overnight stays. But there's also the Point No Point Lighthouse right outside here. And with us today, uh, first of all, we have Jeff Gales, the executive director of the U.S. Lighthouse Society and the famous uh, Augie Doggy here on his, on his lap, uh, named for Augustin Fresnel. Of course, our, all lighthouse buffs should know that. Uh, and uh, we have uh, Dave Anderson, who's the president of the Friends of No Point Point. Let me try that again. Dave Anderson is the president of uh, the Friends of Point No Point Lighthouse. Do you use initials for that when you talk about it? or PNP. PN, just PNP. That's so much easier. <laughs> just yes. point, no point. Okay. Yes. So Dave is the president of PNP. Uh, and we have uh, Laurie Rainmaker, who is the docent coordinator uh, for PNP, and also Shelley Douglas, who's a past president of the group. So it's great to be here and uh, great to, to meet you guys. I've been here a couple of times before. I didn't have a chance to meet any of you, so this is... This is very nice. Although I have talked to you before, Laurie, yes. right? Yeah. First of all, we'll talk just briefly about the history and then talk about public access and that sort of thing. But um, just uh, as far as the history goes, I'm wondering if there are any particular things that you that kind of stand out in the history of this place for you. We were chatting a little bit about this a few minutes ago. And uh, Laurie, you said something really interesting mm -hmm. about when the light first went into service yes. in 1879. Could you yes. could you tell us that story again? Yeah, it's my favorite story to tell to the public when they come to visit the lighthouse. And it goes that the lighthouse was commissioned. We were commissioned to have a light in 1879. Mm-hmm. However, at the end of 1879, in December, the Fresnel lens hadn't arrived from France yet. Okay. So, in order to fulfill that commission, the lightkeeper at the time actually went into the tower with a handheld lantern and had technically had a light mm -hmm. in the lighthouse on December 31st, 1879. Good for him. Yeah. And do you know when they finally got the Fresnel lens uh, installed? It was in February of 1880. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. So it was like a kerosene yeah. lamp he put in place there. Yeah. Dave, you were talking about uh, talking to the kids here and some of the, when you give tours, some of the interesting things you would uh, talk to them about, questions you'd ask. Yes, we have a school program that we go out to the schools and, um, at the second and third grade level. And we have a, an hour long presentation in each of the classrooms. And then the classes have been studying lighthouses and it's part of the curriculum to meet the state standards. And so that's how we've adjusted our program to meet the state standards. Uh, then the uh, Friends of Point No Point then reimburses the school district for the bus fees to bring the children out here. Then we have three or four stations throughout the light station explaining all of the different activities that, that the lighthouse keeper in the lighthouse does. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite stories is I asked the, the children, how do how did they build the lighthouse? And, you know, well, they said, well, they brought equipment in on the road. And I said, well, there wasn't a road out here. And they kind of look, look at you funny. And, and I said, well, everything came in by ship. And they offloaded all the bricks, everything to build the lighthouse. Now, the most important thing that they had, they had a cow out here. And how do you think the cow got out here? Well, one little person said, well, they probably trucked it out. And I said, nope, it came in on a ship. They lowered it into the water and the cow then swam to the light station. And, you know, you see all these little eyes twinkle, you know, like you got to be kidding <laughs> So, but that's that's kind of a favorite story that I have, and try to explain to them that they uh, how the station was built. That there weren't any roads out here. Yeah, and I didn't know that uh, you had that program where you guys are actually funding bus trips of kids out to Point No Point. So people who come to visit Point No Point give donations that whatever you raise 
whatever money you raise and memberships or whatever goes to support programs like that where you can exactly, exactly. I think that's amazing that's awesome well, the it whole I, the whole idea is to try to get uh, new uh, when the kids get up to older that they remember that they uh, came out here to to help with the lighthouse right and it gives people no matter where they are in the country a reason to send a donation to friends of point no point because it's not just supporting preservation of the lighthouse is supporting education and bringing in that new energy to lighthouse preservation is so important mm-hmm. I it think is that's a yeah. wonderful program yeah. congratulations yeah. thank yes. you thank you it's, it's a lot of fun i agree education goes very much hand in hand with preservation so i'm staying here for the week in the mags house uh just down the the road here on the compound or whatever you want to call it which i understand relates to one of the keepers of this lighthouse who was john mags John Maggs was uh, a dentist in Seattle, mm-hmm. and I, I just am having difficulty imagining having a dental practice in Seattle to come over to Point No Point to be a lighthouse keeper. I, th- I think that's interesting. Yeah. Um, but uh, he came over in December of 1879, and he was a lighthouse keeper here until 1884. And he had two assistants, uh, Henry Edwards, and then there was an assistant Manning, and that's all we know about assistant Manning is he was an assistant name. and a Manning. I heard assistant Manning didn't have any teeth. Do you think that was because of John Mads? No, I'm kidding. Sorry. It's possible. It's possible. From what I understand, too, that Mags purchased some properties around here. Uh, the house that he built, I believe, was built after he was a keeper here. His wife actually uh, built, I believe his wife built the house, little house. The family owned it for many years, even after Mags and his wife passed away. Their children took the property, and the Mags house actually included a great deal of land. It was it included the entire wetlands that we see out our backyard here, and all of the, the beach on the other side of the property here, on the east side. And then the property transferred to a new owner and uh, didn't want to see it just be developed. And so he made a deal with uh, Kitsap County, and I don't remember what year it was, but he sold the count, county the property under, with the caveat that they wouldn't develop it and leave it open as a, as a park, which was a really an amazing gesture because I can't imagine this area without the park around the lighthouse Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and can you imagine houses and everything being built around here it would have been such a shame to develop so we got to give credit where credit is due Uh, i believe the last name of the uh owner that sold the uh property to kipsa county was catania so mags was quite a quite a character but jeff i understand there's even more mag john mags and his family in seattle in addition to being a dentist owned uh, a water company that was the only water company besides the city of Seattle. The John Maggs family actually sold the water rights to their spring. They had a natural spring on one of their lands that they, they, they used to supply the area that there was in their northern Seattle area. And they ended up selling the rights to that water company to the city of Seattle. But I thought it was interesting that they had a a piece of property that generated so much water that they actually started a water company and it was the only water company that was competing with the city of Seattle for many years. Um, I just want to get some things clear in my mind and uh, make this clear for our listeners. You've got the U.S. Lighthouse Society with its headquarters here in the duplex, uh, what was the Keeper's House here, uh, and then you've got the Friends of uh, Point No Point Lighthouse. Well, okay, so the, the way it's set up is that the U.S. Coast Guard owns the property still. Mm-hmm. It's earmarked to be transferred to the county, but it hasn't happened yet. So right now, the situation is the Coast Guard owns the property. Yeah. The friends of the county has a license to keep the property open as a park mm-hmm. and open it to the public. Okay. The Lighthouse Society uh, is then under the county. Right. And then um, the Friends of Point No Point uh, is a chapter of the U.S. Lighthouse Society who keeps the lighthouse open to the public, right. generally speaking, when you can before COVID, right. and um, and obviously does other programs as well, community outreach and preservation and what have you. 
So, uh, Shelley, we were chatting a few minutes ago, and you were talking about an interesting aspect to the history of this place that's a little more recent, and I found that uh, very, very interesting. Can you tell us about the pool table that was here? Yes, the Coast Guard who would put... Yeah, we're talking about the Coast Guard era here after the civilian lighthouse service era. The Coast Guard was was, uh, stationed here, yeah. Yes. In being a docent, people would come in to the lighthouse... And the, the Coast Guard would let the people in, and they were all friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would hear people come in, and they'd say, yes, we went. Uh, we always came down and played pool. Okay. And I said, where was the pool table? Well, yeah, we had a pool table. And I would just not say anything. But I kept asking, where was the pool table? So one day... This young man, I was, I was in the lighthouse, and the guy says, I was here for the last people. One of the last Coast Guard. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, um, he said that, yeah, it was odd because I did some work, and then the whole system changed. So I said something to him about the pool table yeah and i said you know about the uh, table yeah would it was someone who came from another lighthouse and said do you want a pool table okay and this young man said well yeah so he jumped in a truck and went and got it Uh and that's how they got the pool table and the pool table was inside the lighthouse building itself right Yes, because all the machinery had been taken out. And so they had all this room. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I don't know so, of another lighthouse that ever had a pool table inside it. Yeah. So time went on. The next Saturday, a man walked into the fog room. Mm-hmm. And delightful man. Turns out that he was the one who got rid of the pool table. And this was a whole community. It wasn't just the uh, fellows at the lighthouse and then everybody else. It was a community. I understand, yeah. Yes. And um, so he got a friend of his, had a big truck, said, if you'll take the pool table to the dump, Mm -hmm. I'll let you have the slate top. Okay. And that was the end of the pool table. (laughs) Wow. And it was one week between of finding out the whole story. Yeah, what are the chances of that? Is that good? I think every lighthouse should have a pool table. I think so, too. Well, we think we need one now. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) In uh, being a docent out here, it's it's really interesting to see the people that have, in their earlier lives, have come out. And some of the people that we've visited, revisited, have indicated there were a lot of great parties that the Coast Guard would put on in the fog signal room and especially around the pool table with the pool table. <laughs> I've seen that in a lot of especially smaller communities where the, the Coast Guard crews were very much a part of the community and interacted. So this was a, a family station under the Coast Guard uh, as uh, like it was under the Lighthouse Service, is that correct? That's correct. And, you know, give or take, plus or minus a few years here from 1879 to uh uh, 1939, uh, the Lighthouse Service was in charge of the station, and families and keepers lived here. And then from 1939 to 1977, the Coast Guard uh, ran the station with Coast Guardsmen and their families. So it was automated in 77? We yeah. think it was automated in 77, plus or minus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just want to point people, too, to an, an article that was in the Keeper's Log, the U.S. Lighthouse Society Quarterly Journal magazine, uh, written by our friend Eleanor DeWire. It was in the uh, number two 2015 uh, edition of the Keeper's Log, and you can find, do a Google search for Point No Point Lighthouse, Eleanor, E-L-I-N-O-R, DeWire, D-E-W-I-R-E, and you'd find it's a really good history of this light station here. So let's move to more to the present day, and uh, just to maybe uh, touch on what you guys do as far as providing public access here. And I know it's been a weird couple of years or so 
between the COVID pandemic and more recently the flooding that happened here. And uh, maybe that'll get us to the flooding in a minute, but let's pretend that all of that didn't happen uh, in, in more normal days <laughs> before all that. How did it work as far as public access here? So for public access prior to COVID, mm-hmm. we were open, the lighthouse was open to the public and it was manned by docents mm-hmm. who opened it Gave, gave talks, answered questions of the public. Yeah. We were open on Saturdays and Sundays from noon to four, and then also at special requests. Mm-hmm. We would have a docent out to greet a group or um, also the schoolhouse program that we had, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what's happened in more recent history? Was it completely uh, closed down for tours for, for a yes. while? Through the pandemic? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were shut down completely for... About two years, mm-hmm. um, opened last summer on a limited basis with docents who felt comfortable working with the public at that time. Um, we only opened one day a weekend, yeah. and that was on Sundays, and we limited the hours from one to four. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we lost quite a few docents with COVID who no longer felt comfortable working in an enclosed environment yeah. with the public it's happened in quite a few places lighthouses yeah. and other other things i think you would have kept a lot more dozens if you would have had a pool table yes yeah, we would have <laughs> <laughs> we would have had a lot more public come and visit too i'm sure <laughs> yeah the uh, point no point pool hall <laughs> so uh let's get to the flood now yeah. uh there was extremely major flooding that happened here uh what what month did that happen in in december this past december mm-hmm. december 2022 uh, I re- remember it well. I wasn't here, but uh, certainly yeah. I, I knew about it pretty pretty quickly from you, Jeff. The park here that surrounds the, the light station that we've been talking about, uh, the county park has been closed since the flooding, correct? Yes, it has. Yes. And it's still not open to cars, but I do see people parking outside the park and walking in. That's permitted? Is that official? Or <laughs> it It is officially permitted that it People can walk into the park, but mm-hmm. there is no access, very, very limited parking. Yeah. Um, so we have chosen not to open the lighthouse to the public um, at this point. Sure. And we're waiting for the county to give us the go ahead once they um, discover, figure out if the parking lot is safe mm-hmm. and if the property is safe for the public. Yeah. The, yeah. The flooding, the waters have receded. But mm-hmm. the county's concerned about the the infrastructure and safety of the area, and they're trying to build something into the park which will prevent flooding in the future if we have this type of event. One of the big changes from the last time I was here four years ago and now is the first thing you see when you drive in here is all the sandbags along yeah. the, the beach here. And they're not just regular sandbags. They're gigantic sandbags. Yeah. 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 We hope to have the park open or the county hopes to have the park open and we hope to have the lighthouse open probably mid-summer depending on what they discovered the amount of damage is and the the flood actually happened during a so-called king tide right an especially Mm -hmm. high tide Uh, were there other factors that made it such a a devastating flood there was a storm surge at the time of the high tide and Mm -hmm. that's what what pushed it with that astronomical high tide yeah uh, but and, by, by some miracle, the lighthouse and other buildings on site, the historic structures were not damaged at all. Weren't damaged. We only had a little bit of flooding in the basements of the duplex, but the surrounding properties all around the lighthouse property, uh, all the little housing community close by, the beaches, everything was completely inundated. Yeah. And is there worry that that can happen again? <laughs> who knows, I guess. Yeah, who but. knows. I think the county at this point is trying, like Jeff said, to put things into place, structures into mm-hmm. place to protect mm-hmm. both the residents, the community here, and the light station. Yeah. yeah. From I further. Mean, it, it, local residents here have been living here for 50 plus years said they've never seen anything like it. So maybe it's a once in a lifetime event. So uh, let's just talk for a, a moment about the uh, the preservation 
of the the lighthouse and the other buildings here. First of all, I believe that uh, a friend of ours, Chad Kaiser, right, Jeff, was involved in uh, a restoration some years ago of the lighthouse, right? Yeah, um, he he worked for the U.S. Lighthouse Society. Uh, now he's the manager at the New Dungeness Lighthouse and has done an amazing job out there. But when we first moved on site, our goal was to touch every building and try to preserve them as much as possible. And we did that. You know, we brought new infrastructure in, uh, new electrical. We, you know, made all the buildings safe and habitable. And uh, they look fantastic. But the lighthouse is already, after just several years, showing some age. We have some water intrusion. Um, it needs to be painted again. Um, and so instead of just looking at it cosmetically, uh, we have the privilege of having one of the friends of Point No Point, uh, a historical architect, Al Bryant, who's been in charge of coming up with a full project outline for us to be able to follow. And the friends of Point No Point have basically applied for grants and self-funded all of that work to date. So we're excited to see you know, what that eventual plan looks like. And then, of course, we'll have to raise the money and then and get that work done. But after that's finished, that lighthouse will be perfect, perfect mm-hmm. condition because he's covering every detail. Right now, we uh, the, the funding that we have is through a, a Washington State Lighthouse Grant. That, it's uh, a Washington State license plate. License plate grant. Yeah, okay. yeah license yeah. plate. So I believe it's $35 uh, goes into a special fund. And then uh, we have for two years have put a proposal together, grant proposal for it. And we've been awarded uh, twice uh, that money. And I think we're looking at about probably, I think it was 25000 and maybe 15000 something like that. Thirty, $35,000 of, of money that have gone towards uh, consultants, which, uh, which is really great. So now we have a plan. So now we've got to fund the plan. Well, the plan is the first, first yeah. step for sure. Well, I want to thank all of you so much for this uh, chat today. Laurie uh, Rainmaker, Shelley Douglas, and Dave Anderson, and of course, uh, Jeff Gales and Augie. Thank you all. Uh, this is a, a really nice meeting you today for the first time. And, uh, you know, being at this beautiful place is always a pleasure. So thank you so much. I really, pre- I really appreciate it. Thank you. Same to you. To learn more about the overnight stays at Point No Point Light Station, go to the U.S. Lighthouse Society's website at uslhs.org. And the Friends of Point No Point Lighthouse have a website at pnplighthouse.com. We're going to hear another interview now, uh, also related to Point No Point. Al Bryant has close to 50 years of professional architectural design and project management experience with special expertise in historic preservation projects. Al is on the board of directors of the Friends of Point No Point Lighthouse, and he's overseeing the current plans for a restoration of the lighthouse buildings. I spoke with Al along with the USLHS Executive Director, Jeff Gales. Let's listen to that conversation now. I'm back at the uh, Keeper's House, the old Keeper's House at Point No Point Light Station here, headquarters of the U.S. Lighthouse Society, along with uh, Jeff Gales, Executive Director. Uh, And we're here with Al Bryant, who is a board member of the Friends of Point No Point Lighthouse and also a historic preservation architect who is uh, very much helping to to plan uh, a major restoration of the lighthouse that's in the works that we're going to talk about today. So we're here the day after we talked with uh, three other people involved with the organization. And it's great to meet you today, Al. Thanks for doing this. Well, thanks for inviting me. So first of all, can you just explain a little bit about who you are, what you do, and your association with the, uh, the Friends of Point No Point? Well, I'm a retired architect officially, mm-hmm. uh, but I still like to keep my finger on the pulse of architecture and what's going on. And... I had an opportunity uh, probably about three or four years ago to, to help out as a docent with uh, the lighthouse. And that sounded kind of interesting, you know, because I, like I like old buildings, obviously, from what I do. Mm-hmm. And I like the stories that go with those old buildings. And this was an opportunity, and it kind of one thing led to another that, okay, 
we need some more help on the board. Would you be interested in serving in that? And I said, sure, you know, because I'm going to be retired so I can have, you know, the devote the amount of time that's necessary for something like this. And mm-hmm. so then I got involved. So if we could just maybe back up and talk a, a little bit about your, your background. You were just uh, talking to me and Jeff about how you get started. Uh, you were associated with a, a pretty well-known architect in Seattle, I believe. Is yes, right? uh, back in the, the 70s. I started working for a firm called Ralph D. Anderson and Partners, and mm-hmm. Ralph is kind of considered by most the real father of the Pioneer Square historic district down in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And we worked on many historic projects there and basically regional things here in the Northwest, and that was kind of when I got my first taste of what you know preservation architecture could be and getting to go into dilapidated buildings and trying to bring life back to them once mm-hmm. again and that there was a lot of excitement in that from mm-hmm. an architectural point of view yeah and that's kind of the beginning and eventually after about nine years there uh, one of the partners there which was a classmate of mine we formed our own company and it was called Duarte Bryant uh, architecture mm-hmm. and for the next 20 some years we practiced architecture mostly for institutional type of clients, uh, the state of Washington, University of Washington, Washington State, things like that, and did a number of projects ranging from at the state capitol building, did several projects down there. Mm-hmm. One that I was most enjoyable with was the John L. O'Brien building, which is the House of Representatives, and it's, it's a huge project. It was a moving out 200 and some legislature members and trying to create offices for the political groups and the diversity we have in the state is kind of an interesting architectural problem. Forget the technical issues of the building and that we have the political issues. Right. Oh, wow. That's another dimension. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on and talk about the lighthouse a little bit. Starting with when the U.S. Lighthouse Society got involved, and Jeff, uh, you can help with this, what has the U.S. Lighthouse Society done as far as uh, preservation and restoration projects with the lighthouse? When we moved here in 2008, our goal was to uh, touch all the buildings on site. Just, you know, some of them were in worse condition than others. We came into a situation where we were possibly going to lose one of the buildings. Already the roof was caving in, the foundation was compromised, and, you know, everything was just looking pretty sad. So we did basically what I would like to consider a... uh, a beautification. And of course, we created some more infrastructure here that was needed. We were able to put our hands on every single building. And it's been great for a few years, but we never really addressed some lingering problems, especially at the lighthouse, that um, required the expertise that we didn't have the money to pay for. So that's why we're really excited about the Friends of Point No Point and Al, Al Bryant with his uh, ability to create an actual project plan to to actually uh, rehab the lighthouse so that it will last for another hundred years and be a healthy building. As a mm-hmm. right now, it's a beautiful building, but we want it to be healthy at the yeah. same time. Absolutely. So, Al, uh, can you say a bit about what needs to be done and uh, what the plan is for doing it? Well, back uh, a couple of years ago in 2021, we actually did a comprehensive review of the building. I hired an outside special building envelope consultant firm and to take a look at what should we do from roofs to windows to doors to ventilation to electrical, you know, the whole bit. And just to give us kind of a a shopping list is what I was after. And they came back with a report that included 47 items. Now, some of the items are repetitive because they broke it down for each part of the building. So they might talk about windows in the foghorn room and then the windows in the light tower. You know, it's the same windows structure that needs to be repaired. But so anyway, they came up with this and we decided we were able and fortunate to get a grant to pay for that study that the next stage was how much is this really going to cost us? You know, I mean, we've mm-hmm. got an idea, but we should pick some of something out of that 47. What do we consider the most important ones? And the friends sat down and the board went through it and said, well, these look like the best recommendations. And those include things such as replacing the gallery level roofing, 
which we have some true deterioration rot is showing now in some of the structure up there. The copper, we think, might be original, that it's been patched so many times it's very hard to tell. But it's a flat area up at the gallery level, and that's obviously takes a lot of weather, and mm -hmm. so we need to get that replaced. We eventually want to do things like replace the foghorn room. That's a very that's an easier task to do, but it's still kind of expensive out there. And so we came up with these this list, this 47. From that, we did basically two major items, and that's the replace. We actually, this last summer, went ahead and did drawings so that we can get some accurate numbers. We actually had some contractors involved to give us some things like this, mm -hmm. to replace that copper gallery level roofing as well as the wood structure that's associated with that. And that's kind of our plan. I mean, we have this huge list, and as we find more money through more grants or great donations, we'd like to tackle more of them, but this is a good starting point to keep the weather off of us. And, you know, yeah. one of the, the other, one of the minor things that we're concerned about was moisture inside the building. We talk about the health of a, a building. We don't have a mechanical system that brings out like forced air, like you might have in your home or in a commercial office building. It's just all natural. Open the window in the summertime keep it closed in the winter and hope that the electric baseboard heat that's in there will do the job. Well, surprisingly enough, we put some data loggers into this uh, building and we're doing all right. You know, we're not as bad as we thought we were. Yeah. Uh, so temperature-wise, we're able to maintain a certain level in there, not necessarily a good comfort level, but a good level so that moisture doesn't collect on the walls, which was our big concern. Mm-hmm. Because one of the projects that kind of started this whole thing was replacement of our dehumidifier that's in there. And come to find out, we're probably all right. We could probably change out our electric heat to get a little bit more heat in there during the winter months as such. But mm -hmm. we, you know, without this little project to do this data loggers to see what these things do, um, it's showing us how good the building is actually performing considering there's no insulation at all this is just masonry walls single pane glass and a roof and yeah. that's basically it and there's no insulation in it. so it's a it's a natural structure right now <laughs> yeah yeah Having a plan is the best course of action because we're not going to just keep repairing things and putting band-aids on things it's better to have this plan it's kind of like uh, treating the symptoms symptoms instead of the disease. Well, we're looking, we're trying to do a holistic approach mm -hmm. to keeping this building alive for the yeah. next hundred and some years. And there's a lot of little things that go into it, whether it's a water leak or a power issue or some critter living in there with us now. These are just things we need to do and some maintenance. And if you have kind of something where everybody can see where we're trying to go, mm -hmm. I think it also makes fundraising for something a little easier to say this is really our identified goals this is the direction we want to go and this is why we need your help yeah. you know is to be able to do these things have there been creatures living in there we had a, a mouse mouse population ah. for a while there but we seem to have that under control by closing up some of the exterior openings to the exterior as such and that's helped quite a bit so. mm -hmm. So I just want to make something clear for people listening, even though, you know, these days it's very easy to, for people to find pictures of Point No Point Lighthouse, just Google it. But uh, if people are just listening to this and have no idea what the lighthouse looks like, they might be trying to figure it out from what we're saying. And, you know, a lot of people have a certain image of a lighthouse, the tall, tall tower. Point No Point is not that. It's not your, in many ways, not your kind of iconic uh, traditional lighthouse. It's I'd say boxy is one, one way to describe it, and short is another way to describe it. How unique is it architecturally? And uh, I don't know if you can say it really has an architectural style exactly, or does it? No, I, I don't. I mean, it's it, to me, it's more of a, a machine type of design in the sense that there's actually another one here in the Puget Sound area we call the sister. It's the identical plan as to what point no point is. It'd be West Point? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. And it's, since there's really no, we couldn't really locate any of some of the original drawings of what this, 
at one point before I decided to go a different direction was actually going to contact the Parks Department of Seattle to see if they had some drawings of it or did their architect when they did a restoration on that building just create new drawings like we ended up doing out here so yeah. it's it's kind of interesting that when I first got involved and I'd always thought of lighthouses as being very tall and you could see the light for many miles but then you stop and think about it well we don't need light to go 30 or 40 miles out here because we've only got about 12 to 17 miles of water yeah you know? so we don't need that height and so it is appropriate for this particular mm-hmm. area as to what it needs to be yeah that's a common question people ask uh, how do they decide how to tall to make a lighthouse and it's a combination of things obviously it's the terrain and it's the the intended purpose whether it's a for guiding uh, seacoast traffic or within a sound like this or harbor or whatever it may be. Point No Point has the distinction of being tied with West Point as being the shortest lighthouse on Puget Sound, so it's famous for something at least. Also, I think the day mark at Point No Point is very unique, and um, the of course the topography of the area is unique as well. It also is uh, was the actually officially the first lighthouse built on Puget Sound. So not the oldest lighthouse in Washington State, but the first one built on Puget Sound. So everybody likes their lighthouse to be the first of something or, you know, have a unique aspect to it. So shortness and uh, the first on Puget Sound and, of course, our unique day mark. Those are all the things that are special about Point No Point. And it's uh, it's utilitarian, but it's got some nice architectural detailing, right? Yes, it does. I mean, part of that, one of the, is the corbels up on that support the roof. Mm-hmm. of the gallery level because they haven't been maintained or starting to show their wear and there's a little rot yeah. starting up there so it's things like that and those are all correctable items they mm-hmm. just need to get some attention taken care of them as such right. you know we noticed actually that a lot of the details architectural details had been removed over the years and it would be really special to be able to bring some of that back you know for instance when we did that original restoration years ago the brackets underneath the lantern room, they had been cut in yeah, half. Yeah. So we had uh, extensions fabricated, and of course they, they look much better now, but they probably need to be uh, dealt with because it's been a number of years. But there's also some really interesting architectural details that were around the uh, the Fox Signal building, a, uh, a step-down trim that had been removed by the Coast Guard for some apparent reason. There's also the uh, historic uh, old bell-shaped foghorns that protruded out the building would be nice to bring back. And like Al said before, uh, restoring uh, the fog signal building, rehabbing and maybe even actually bringing back some of the original equipment would be nice. And sure. One of the things I think people forget when they visit lighthouses is they forget that the sound signature and the sound signal of a lighthouse was almost as important as, a, as the light itself. So yeah. I'm always an advocate of interpreting and bringing back fog signal history because it was really, really important. I agree with that. Absolutely. So, Al, you you mentioned funding before. uh, So I'm curious what funding is in place at this point and how much more fundraising is needed for this project? Well, we basically have a pretty small fund right now, and that's to do the actual construction. And uh, we're probably looking at this first phase of work something in the neighborhood of between 150 to maybe $175,000 to be able to do some of these initial things to get the roofs in the condition they need to be, as well as a new coating on the exterior of the building as such. And we're basically just starting out. So our coffers are pretty low right now, and we're going to be actively looking for grants of where we can find Mm-hmm. Uh, that sort of funding to help us out. And it'll probably be several. I doubt that we're going to find one fund that's going to handle the whole project, but yeah. we can do it in phases and piecemeal approach versus having to do everything at once. It would be great if we could just do everything on that list all at once. I have to give credit where credit is due because the friends have put up a lot of their own money that they've raised over the years for these uh, planning studies, and uh, they have gotten some grants already. That's health, but uh, they're putting their money where their mouth is. So, um, you know, once we have those plans in place, we have a better idea about the overall cost of the project. We can do some serious fundraising. And, you know, as far as restoration is concerned, when I look around the country at different projects that are being attempted, 
$175,000 isn't that much money, no. really. So I think it's a very doable, doable project. Uh, Pigeon Point Lighthouse in California, I believe they're, it's been delayed and delayed and delayed, but they're talking about something like a $20 million restoration. Of course, that's your tall, one of your tall, majestic lighthouses that needs a lot of work, yeah. but still. One of the other Lighthouse Society projects out of Port Townsend, Point Wilson, we just got a, uh, a painting contractor out there just to paint the exterior of the lighthouse, $750,000. So that's just for painting the outside. Hmm, but that sounds expensive, but there's probably reasons for it. Well, it's probably not just plain paint either. It's a good product out there that they're looking at because, you know, the products we have to use on lighthouses do have to be very robust because of the weather conditions that you're getting situated with. And also, how do you repair the substrate? You know, how long has it been since the last paint job was done? And they're unique animals. I mean, you know, in the case of Point Wilson, even at Point No Point, in many cases, the building needs to be encapsulated. You have to uh, build scaffolding. I mean, there's environmental concerns you have to deal with. You're uh, dealing with the U.S. Coast Guard and and all of the uh, regulations on uh, working with a, a historic building that's on the Register of Historic Places. And you have to uh, do it in a certain way, which is conforming to state historic preservation guidelines. So all of that makes it a much more expensive than just painting your house. Yeah, and sometimes uh, I've been asked, uh, you know, as far as painting a lighthouse, can't you just uh, have some volunteers, you know, uh, hang on a bosun chair or something and, and paint it or use poles? And it's not that simple. And for, you'd, first of all, you don't want to put volunteers at that kind of risk. You know, these people are, are uh, insured and everything and know, really know what they're doing. So, yeah. And also some of the products we use today, you know, they're not the acrylic paints that you might be used to at your home and that. And so they're a little bit more temperamental and they need somebody that's professional that does this for a living all the time to work with that and to do it the correct way. So once you get it on, it's really good for another 10 to 15 years out there. So Hopefully, yeah. So uh, to kind of wrap things up here, um, it's probably with the fundraising that needs to be done, it's probably kind of hard to put a timeline on this, but are you hoping to start some work, say by next year or something? Any thoughts about that? I don't know. I think we're still too early in our planning as to when we want to move forward. I mean, I was talking to our architectural firm that did the study and they were wondering, well, can we go out to bid this summer? And I says, well, unless you're going to help foot the bill, I don't think we're going to be able to do that at this point. And just kind of explained that, you know, we need to have the funding in place before we start, you know, the actual work or actually even going out for bids for contractors and that so that people understand that we are serious and we're going to full move forward with the project. Sure. On the original restoration work we did out here, uh, the line share of the funding was through grants and through actually the Seattle Foundation and various uh, programs in our state. And I have a feeling we can go back to those entities and, and get additional funding. The uh, Point No Point Lighthouse is very well loved. And um, I think that holds true for most lighthouses and local communities take on a sense of ownership. And uh, so not only do we have uh, funding possibilities through grants, but we also have funding possibilities through local residents and the local communities. And I'm confident we'll get to our goal. And it would be it would be great to do it this year, and at least secure the funding this year, so we can get something going for next year. Well, having stayed here three times now, I can tell you it is a very well loved place. Even now, with the gate closed because of the recent flooding here, there's a lot of people parking outside the the gate to the the county park here, Point No Point Park, and walking in and enjoying it. Even at sunrise, when I go out here on the beach, there was a guy this morning with a long lens taking taking pictures. There's always people around, so it is extremely well loved. So, so Al Bryan, thanks so much for talking with us today, uh, and uh, good luck with everything that's going on here. And I hope to I hope next time I come back, which may be next year, so that might be a little soon. <laughs> but I mean, no, you're definitely coming back. Okay, I'm definitely coming. Jeff says I'm definitely coming back next year. That would be amazing to see uh, at least some of the work done. That would be that would be a grand idea. I hope so too. We more than welcome you to come back and help us out. Okay. We? All right. Okay, I'll uh, put you in the bosun's chair. And I'll, I'll bring my work clothes. All right. Well, thanks so much for being with us today, Al. Thank you very much for having me. Again, you can check out uslhs.org to learn more about. 
Point No Point, as well as the U.S. Lighthouse Society Passport Program, preservation grants, the research catalog, and everything else the Society offers. If you listen to this podcast through Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. So I want to update everyone on a project I've mentioned a couple of times recently on the podcast. We are planning to have an event on a day in August, close to National Lighthouse Day, which is August 7th. Uh, And the idea is we're going to have people gather at lighthouses everywhere and dance to the same song at the same time, kind of like a giant flash mob. And uh, somebody I was talking to called it a giant flash light mob. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. All of this would be recorded on video for the USLHS YouTube channel. Uh, A musician friend of mine, Joe Rivers, who wrote some of the music we use in this podcast, Uh, is working on a special original song for the occasion. Uh, He just uh, sent me a rough cut. I think the song is going to be perfect. Uh, It's got a nice danceable beat and has some excellent Lighthouse-related lyrics and themes in it. If anybody listening is interested in helping to coordinate this event or if you have a group of people that would like to participate at a particular Lighthouse, please email me at jeremy at uslhs.org. Michelle, you and I, uh, I think, maybe putting together something for a dance performance at Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse. What do you think? Yeah, I think that would be a great idea, Jeremy. Well, I'm glad you're on board with that. Uh, so we will discuss that uh, further. Absolutely. And I hope to hear from, yeah, hope to hear some, from some people who might be interested in uh, being part of that. Next week's episode of Lighthearted will feature an interview with Deborah Alderman, in the, who was uh, in the Coast Guard Auxiliary and very involved with uh, tours at the Alki Point Lighthouse in Seattle, Washington. So that's going to be our uh, third episode in a row dealing with a uh, Washington lighthouse. Until then, as always, to all our regular listeners and our new ones, thank you so much for listening and keep a good light. Let it shine, let it shine